And then there was uh, there was so many to choose from, Gordon. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you ended up. What you ended up choosing? Well, I mean, you know, if you think about it, I mean, it wasn't just the fact that you know there were so many. It was the fact that they oh, were all different sizes and widths as well. Yes. Were they and, and that, and it, it, it was so confusing, like so confusing. Anyway, we'll come back to that. We've got a we've got a podcast to do. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, uh, and night, I, think, I was talking about the whiskey at the New Year. Oh, uh, what you were talking about. Uh-huh. So I was talking about what whiskies um, I was going to choose to bring in the bells, as we say. I was talking about the vessels you could drink it. <laughs> well, a happy new year to you, Gordon. Happy new year, everybody. And happy new year to uh, all our listeners. We've been inundated with emails uh, uh, for the start of the year asking us uh, what we're going to cover this year. Um and uh, you know you're going to hear pretty much, uh, pretty much more of the same. I think. That's <laughs> right. Well, it's the in- first show of 2023, and we were just talking about um, the traditions we have in Scotland. Bringing in the new year, we call uh, you know what you're drinking at the bells when the bells toll. That signifies the new year, 2023. Uh, Gordon, yeah. I have to say, I brought it in with the teapot number five, the Glengoyne. Special edition whiskey, teapot number five, a combination of five single casks combined together, boom, undiluted, unfiltered. And Beautiful. that's a great well, I mean, the teapot is a fantastic whiskey. It's, it's first fill, sherry, big, big, bold, not particularly old, um, brilliant whiskey, really punchy, fabulous. That was me. I actually had a six aisles. Um, <laughs> I was around at a friend's and uh, had a little bit of whiskey amongst a few other things, if I'm honest. Uh, and it was great. Really, really pleasant. Uh, a nice festive period, quite quiet and uh, just great. Great. Well, it is the first show of 2023 and we've got lots to get through. We've got an Olympic athlete mm-hmm. on the show. Well, we've not, I mean, we've had, we've had Hallett, we've had, you know, Hollywood. We've had, you know, Joanna Lumley. Yes. We've had some of the finest uh, people from the whiskey industry. But we've never had an Olympic medalist. Oh. So we've got an Olympic medalist. We really have. If you think about who we've covered in our 60 odd episodes, you know, we've we've really, you know, covered some, some great, amazing ground. Great. And we're really, you know, I, I don't want to give the game away, but you pushed the boat out in this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And so, yeah, we're going to hear from uh, an Olympic medalist later in the show. Gordon, I have to confess. I did a little bit of preparation for this last night. Um, Do we need to change the name to Whiskey Prepared? <laughs> I just thought, since it is the first show of 2023, that year will have whiskey anniversaries in it. If you'd like to pour yourself a dram, I've okay. got four or five anniversaries. Could you choose which one you think is the most important for 2023? Well, just to fill, um, I, I don't know what you're drinking, but I am actually drinking a Bowmore 18. Um, the reason I am, it is that I did a tasting last week with our whiskey. Uh, so Becky Paskin and David Miles. It was me and David talking about Tamdu. I was talking about Tamdu Distinction number two. And David was talking about Bowmore 18, which I like. Fantastic whiskey. So that's Great. what I'm drinking. Whiskies. I've got um, a, a little Glen Farkless. Glen Farkless ah, 25. Which is, uh, ooh, which is lovely. Are you ready to play the 2023 Whiskey Unscripted Anniversary Challenge? In 
1963. We are now 60 years ago. Glenn Fiddich makes and markets itself as a single malt. About a 10-year head start in the rest of the industry. Is that a great anniversary? It's also 60 years since Andy Stewart recorded Campbellton Loch, I Wish Your Whiskey, Campbellton Loch, hi! So there's two anniversaries. 50 years, Gordon. In 1973, since Thin Lizzy released Whiskey in a Jar and vodka yeah. started to outsell whiskey in the United States of America. Really? The clear, silent assassin was stalking scotch and whiskey as a category and it shouldn't would overtake it so there's some anniversaries um 90 years this year the 90th anniversary of the mm. ending of prohibition the volstead act comes to an end 1933 mm. it's another 90th anniversary as well um 70 years ago in 1953, Gordon, there's quite a lot I'm thrown at you here. Yeah, yeah. 70 years ago, the anniversary, it's the 70th anniversary of grain rationing stopping in the UK. Which might sound quite dull, but after uh, a lot of the war years and then rationing, Scotch whiskey could not get underway until grain rationing stopped. In that same year, we have the darker side of Scotch whiskey. It's 70 years this year since Dylan Thomas, the great poet, Welsh poet, who wrote Under Milkwood, Rage, Rage, Against the Dying of the Light. He walked in to his Greenwich Village hotel late at night and said to the doorman, 18 whiskies tonight. That's my record. Sadly, he fell into coma and never recovered. A bit of the darker side of Scotch whiskey, but that is 70 years since I. And my last one, it is 200 years since 1823. This is the 200th anniversary of the famous Excise Act, which effectively uh. legalised um, the dist distillation of Scotch whisky. And between 1823 and 1825, 200 distilleries paid £10 for the licence. Effective legalisation. And my last one, Gordon. It's been mm -hmm. 20 years since Ian McLeod bought Glengoyne. Why? So with your bow more in your hands, mm -hmm. the job is, out of those, unless you've got a better one, uh, anniversary will you be drinking to today? Oh. Well, I think the Excise Act, obviously, uh, uh, is... Um is one to you know it, it's fundamental to you know how whiskey is now uh, the, the modern story starts really yeah exactly all of them all of them are great all of them are really really and, great. i wonder about glenn Fiddich, because if you go into glenn Fiddich now i didn't encourage anyone to go up there to have a oh. tour that's in the main hall they're really yeah. pushing that that really they're very proud and as it should be that they put their whiskey it's a single malt before really the the rest of the world had had done so with a Definitely. marketing spend yeah no 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 absolutely yeah and they've yeah they've done they, they've they've been doing that ever since if you know what i mean um uh definitely it's a it's a it, yeah and, and also the other thing i just wanted to bring into this because i'm used to represent it is ockentoshan's 200th anniversary this year ah uh, yep so again 23 and mortlach they were well. one of the 200 and one of the 200 distilleries that opened up in that um Years following the Excise Act, extraordinary explosion mm. of 
legality. The other thing is, of course, which you have, it's 20 years since we bought Glen Goines. That was our first uh, distillery. Um, and this year, we hopefully are completing two distilleries, uh, Rosebank and Edinburgh Gin, that gin stuff. But I mean, Edinburgh Gin, we will hopefully have completed that this year to give us four distilleries, three whiskey, one gin, which is well, very exciting. And it's the 90th anniversary of Ian McLeod Distillers. That's a very good one as well, since uh, we uh, this program basically is funded by Ian McLeod Distillers. Not <laughs> that we, we have a budget, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Gordon, on that point, um, it's throwing you under the bus a little bit, but trends of 2023, you mentioned Rosebank, the trend will be for more new distilleries opening. That would be one trend, I would assume, uh, or at least more applications for more builds. Uh, any other trends out there? I think this year's a little bit up in the air. You know, I think it's a it, it's a very odd sort of time we're in at the moment, I think. And, uh, you know, with everything that's hitting everybody from a producing point of view to a consumer perspective to a business perspective in terms of, you know, the sort of economic climate. I don't think it's going to be a year for sort of groundbreaking trends in the whiskey industry. I think it's good. You know, we've had, I think it's going to be a sort of fairly, you know, a fair, there'll be new releases and interesting whiskies for sure. But I think as a, as a sort of trend, there's not going to be any groundbreaking. I don't think, it, I think it's going to be a fairly, not quiet, but just sort of, you know, a, 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 an so average year. Right. Yes. And abroad um, markets, yeah, I mean, I think we don't really know, if I'm honest. I think, you know, China's still still grappling with what's going on with COVID. Um, and India is an interesting market in terms of trade deals and things like that, which would be a game changer. You know, Australia, good market. Europe's all pretty good. I mean, you know, it's just, it, it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say, but I would, you know, we, we're, we're in a, I think the industry's in a good position to have a, Probably a pretty good year, I would well, think. Well, one of the trends of this podcast, uh, and I have been on to some people within our organisation, we'd love to bring back the um, Insider's Guide. We've, mm. got, we've got one or two people lined up, Gordon, from finance directors to the person oh, really? in charge of the, the whiskey across our portfolio. And you can maybe extrapolate the industry through some of these people. So we'll try and get that up mm. and running um, yeah. in the next few weeks and months. But... Mm -hmm. Uh, whiskey news. Mm, we whiskey could, news. We could go back a couple of weeks, and the big news was, although we were on holiday, we still did a day's work between Christmas. I don't think, that, and I don't think that's big news. <laughs> we, well, I was working between. So we were at the Distillers Fair, and Gordon, we've got a little bit of bit of audio of us there, and I'd like to have a wee chat about it afterwards because mm. it was a great day, and it was. Very interesting mm. at the Scottish whiskey experience, top of the Royal Mile. I, I mean, I, I, I'm amazed by that place uh, because I mean, I, I know how well attended it is because its location and what they offer is brilliant. But I mean, it was heaving, and it was <laughs> like it was there was loads of people, and um, you know, it just shows you how powerful that is as a tool for us. It's actually owned by the industry as well, you know, and. It, it's a, a powerful, powerful. If you've never been to Scotch whiskey experience, go. It's fabulous. Um, so yeah, we've got a, a bit of uh, yes. bit of feedback from that, which was great, and it was nice to sort of get out of that 
sort of what day is it, what time is it <laughs> sort of scenario between Christmas and New Year. That's right. Well, hit the audio. Here's a, here's a couple of minutes, Gordon. Do you remember this? So, Mr. Dallas, we're on the train to Edinburgh. It's, um, it's the 29th of December. So what are we off to do today, Gordon? We are off to the Distillers Fair. This is the first one since all those lockdowns and whatnot. So we are going through to the capital of Scotland, right up the Royal Mile, just before the castle is a Scottish whisky experience. And for two days of the year, they hold a Distillers Fair, the very top floor, which I don't think you've been to yet, Gordon. I've never been so, but you've promised me a good lunch. This is what I'm worried about. I'm worried I've got you on the 29th, and this is officially your holidays. Well, it's okay. It's fine. But I'll go there for a good lunch as well. So um, I'm hoping it is a bloody good lunch because if I'm not, it's going to be trouble. It'll also be a nice way to talk about an influence and get people to taste our whiskies, of course. Of course. And I think really why they do this is because it's a lot of tourists. Edinburgh is one of the capital uh, Christmas and New Year events in the world. I mean, people from all over the world come into Edinburgh for the Hugmany, especially, and also for Christmas. And many of them will be here now. Uh, they're staying through the whole week, or they're arriving yesterday and today. And my experience was so many uh, foreign visitors, really, and the ones that come to the Scottish whisky experience, oh my goodness, they're whisky aficionados, whisky nuts, and some just want to learn more about it. So it's a completely different crowd from what you might get. Um, maybe a normal UK tasting event. I mean, unfortunately, the ones that want to learn anything shouldn't come anywhere near our stand, of course, but uh, ultimately, uh, we're going to report back with some more feedback and some more interviews from the people there. The only trouble is, Gordon, where's the trolley service and the train? I think we're just lucky the train's moving, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're on a train. So, Gordon, we've made it to the Scotch Whiskey Experience. Now, we're about to... We're with Cody here from Glen Caddam and from Angus Dundee. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Feeling very merry. Christmas. I'm very thrilled. It's very busy here because we're, we're, we're at Scotch Whiskey Experience and we're on one of the last runs of the ride, if anybody's been to the Scotch Whiskey Experience. Now, Cody used to work here. It's being replaced next year. Now, quite, quite an experience, this... Uh, you know, a lot of people love the ride. I used to really enjoy the ride as well. Uh, if I could in the mornings, I used to sneak away from the box office or the shop and just do the ride for 10 minutes so the boss couldn't find me. And I will miss it for that. Um, but it'll be good to have uh, more of a guided experience at the Scotch Whiskey Experience. I think people learn a little bit easier when they can ask questions, which you can't do with a ride. So I'm um, looking forward to the future and what it's going to become. Uh, Gordon Dallas is actually bumping up and down with excitement. Gordon, um, I know a you're a Where's a popcorn. I know you're a little kid. Do you do you reach the minimum height allowed for this ride? <laughs> he loves it. Yeah, absolutely. How long have you been waiting for that? One? <laughs> We're about to jump into it of half barrels, and they take you gently around the story of Scotch whisky. But yes, where's the measuring? Where's the measuring sure, sure you. I think you come in as a child. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're about to do it, so we'll we'll report back. Hey, that, that was good. Yeah, and that was great. For those people, it's it'll be gone now, but we were just about to on those barrel rides with Cody there, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's been great. But it's served a purpose. I think people think you know things have a cycle, and those barrels, 
and I'm very yeah, keen I, to see what happens next. I, I think moving on from that's the right decision, and you know you have to continue to evolve, and it's a little, you know, I, I was on it going, yeah, I think it's time now. And I think everybody agrees. So, yeah, it was all good. But, yeah, no, it was a great day. So that well, was nice. Great day. One thing that got me, Gordon, and sometimes when you're doing this podcast, you kind of forget we had a lot of people coming to the, the stands. And we were right next to Kilhoman, we're next to Craig Elliott, and there was Jewers in the room and Diageo, and there was others in the room. How many people were new to whiskey? It was lovely to see that. Lots mm. of people from all over the world, um, maybe had brought, been brought by a partner, but they were wanting to learn and I don't know if you found that totally. and I yeah, sometimes you should have a little back to basics I mean I, I you know you're there speaking to people and it's like where are you from Argentina where are you from Alaska where are you from uh, you were at Korea wherever it's unbelievable I you know and I'm sort of going do you all come to Edinburgh for New Year or are you all and there was a mixture of people from all around the world it was amazing uh, on that point, that great. Gordon, being back to basics, I'll get the word whiskey. Just before we go into the next level, uh, next part, just a small challenge. Back to basics, the word whiskey. I Try have. and spell the word whiskey with whiskey-related labels. I'll start. Whiskey. <laughs> w is white and Mackay. The next letter is H. Oh, Heaven Hill. Heaven Hill. The next one is I. Would be Inchmurn, Inchmurn, Inchmoon as well. S. That's going to be an S. Um, S. S. Um, Smokehead. Oh! <laughs> yes. K, I'll go Cavalan. And I'll leave Cavalan. you with a Y. <laughs> ah, thanks. That's why you went first. Oh, I'm looking at a bourbon right now from a very famous. Yes. Yellow Corn? It was Yellowstone? Was that where? Uh, Is that where Yogi and Boo Boo lived? Uh, um, I think it was. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's very good. Well done. Very not a bad, well done. Be, not a bad game to play. But the point being, all these new people to whiskey is, is, is fun as well. Ah, exactly. the bottom line. Let's make it fun. Yeah, let's make it fun. Is it time to introduce your guest? Well, yeah, let's absolutely do that. I mean, um, I sat down with an old friend of mine. Uh, I've known him for a, a fair, fair few years. Uh, we're from the same hometown. From Helensburgh, that's where he got his love of the water. Uh, he won an Olympic silver medal oh. at the oh. London Olympics. Um, Luke Patience, he won it in the men's 470, so in sailing. So we know Britain are pretty good at sailing. Uh, ben Ainsley doing very well and all that sort of thing. So he was very much part of that squad. Really, I talked to him a little bit about, you know, being an Olympian and having a an Olympic medal. I thought he might have had it with him. I've never held an Olympic medal, but he yeah, didn't. Um, it's in, uh, and he'll tell us where it is. But it's, um, it, yeah, fabulous guy. And it really just wanted to talk to him about that. But also, he's a big whiskey guy and loves his whiskey. Yeah, and uh, he's going to be, I think we're going to hear a bit more from Luke in the industry in the coming couple of years. So, um, yeah, really interesting guy. Let's, let's hear what he's got to say. Uh, Mr. Patience, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. I'm a wee bit chilly. Yeah, it's a little bit in a cool. warehouse, but I'm very good. Uh, good to see you, my friend. Um, and welcome to Whiskey Unscripted. And I want to tell everybody just a little bit about your plans and what you're doing, because um, obviously we, we've known each other for a while, and mm -hmm. whiskey is a whiskey and sailing are the two connections. I think mm -hmm. would that be fair? It would be fair. Yeah, it's normally whiskey and rum, isn't it? But that's maybe more Caribbean. Yeah, Scotland no. were whiskey and sailing. Absolutely. Did I say whiskey and rum? I meant sailing, sailing and rum, rum not yes. whiskey and rum. <laughs> Cole's getting to me. 
So for those who maybe aren't aware, Luke, um, you are an Olympian, uh, 2012, London, yeah. uh, silver medal, yeah. fantastic, uh, and um, you've been sort of sailing in the squad for many years, haven't you? Yeah, so I am, um, oh, I'm 36 now, 37 this year, oh, um, a few grey hairs in the mirror, uh, yeah, um, I, well recently retired Olympian. Ah, okay. Maybe the, the right words, yeah. So Tokyo was my last games, mm-hmm. and uh, well for now. <laughs> you mustn't ever say never. Never, never. Um, so yeah, recently retired Olympian, eighteen years. Um, right. I was about to say serving the British sailing team, but I think you serve yourself. The British <laughs> sailing team just support you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, very lucky. Had a great, a great, um, a great stint. Uh, I've had a good career and. Yeah, it's time for me to move on to pastures new. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. I want to go back to, to, to we've never had an Olympian on the podcast. We've had movie stars. We've had William yeah. H. Macy. Nice. We've had famous whiskey people. We've had lots and lots of people on it, but we've never had an Olympic medalist. So as, a, as an Olympian, as a, particularly in London as well, that must have been an amazing experience to, 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 to be on the podium and representing Great Britain at a British Olympics. What, I mean, really? Does it get any better than that? I mean, maybe gold, possibly. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but I mean, still amazing. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a hard one to describe because it's funny. I, I look back at it now and almost think, uh, did, was that me? You know, there's almost yeah. it's surreal in some way still. Um, how I'm just thankful my mum and dad uh, conceived me on that day that I was of that age to be able to be able to um, compete at the London Games. But um, it, it it surpassed all expectation. Mm. I'm trying to imagine what it might be like as we built we built up to it. When I say we, my, my teammate Stuart Bithell, and um, it. I don't think anything could have prepared us for how big an occasion it was. And mm. I almost feel like that might have been for the public too, perhaps, mm. because, you know, we would read the tabloids and things and there was almost a bit of classic British cynicism about the event that was approaching and mm. the taxpayers' money that it took and things like that. You know, there's always that side to the, the news. And um, sure enough, I, th- I think it was Lizzie Armstead got her first, our first medal for Team GB in the road race. Mm. And it just ignited this positivity in the media and um uh and it was great but you know but my personal experience it just i I could never have imagined the support that we got could never have imagined what it would feel like to compete you know that was the whole thing that brought me on this journey was curiosity as a Mm. 10 year old watching the olympics in atlanta 96 Mm -hmm. when we had about our worst ever olympics pretty much worst ever and uh probably what helped spark a bit of um, hmm. lottery funding yep. not long after that it was curiosity to know what it would feel like standing on a podium with a Union Jack over my shoulders hearing the national anthem that was the original plan didn't get to have to listen to Australians annoyingly but um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, it, I think um, but I think the, the most impactful moment for me didn't end up being standing on the podium winning a medal it was actually the opening ceremony Mm. we were there in the tunnels of um, the Olympic Stadium and obviously as the host nation you go out last 
So, you know, all the athletes are called out, yeah. they do the big, they walk around the, what is the running track in the yep. athletic stadium, and then you stand and they do all the show. And we were in there in, in the bowels of the, uh, of the stadium, and we just, you know, the last country had gone out, I can't, uh, Zimbabwe probably, and then you just hear the chanting, Team GB, Team GB, wow. fists, Amazing. beat the works. And we went out and the, the explosion of lights and, and, and they had 70 million, um, what's it, the confetti stuff there that you might, oh, yeah, little yeah. bits of paper. Yeah, 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 yeah. 70 million to represent each person in our country and the music came on and that moment, that sits with me. Mm-hmm. I remember that like it was yesterday and it, that was the most, that was it, you've arrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After all those years of dreaming and planning, we're here. It was amazing. It was I amazing. bet it was amazing. That that sounds amazing. And at what point did you, as a youngster, kicking around in Helensburgh, as, as that's where I'm from as well, so quite a saily place, really, with lots of dinghies and mm-hmm. yachts and things. Um, what point did you realise that that's what I want to be? Did you have that sort of ping moment? I want to be an Olympian. I want to really push my because you were clearly a very talented sailor. What point did you go, this is more than a hobby for me in my head? What, what, what kicked that off? Yeah, I, I can actually answer that quite definitively. Um, is it, it was after watching the Sydney Olympics in 2000. Yeah. I was 13 at that point. And um, I just remember watching uh, the boat I eventually sailed. So it's called a 470, a two-man boat. It's like a wee bucking bronco in water, you know. And um, I remember watching uh, the 470s race during the um, Sydney Olympics and um, and and that was it that was that's the moment that that, that you just asked me I, I I remember turning to my mum and dad at 13 and going I'm I'm gonna do that that's what I'm gonna do I've worked out I'm going to the Olympics and I'm gonna sail that boat and I'm gonna represent the country it was that fabulous but I was quite sporty I, I, I um, played tennis I, I did a wee bit of, um, I was forced into horse riding as a kid because my sister liked doing that. Um, I realise I'm labelling some very middle class sports here. But, um, <laughs> we were not a middle class family, you know. But, uh, we would sleep in the car going to events. You know, my parents had no money, everything was second hand equipment. You know, it's, this is. And the time and at time of them driving you around and doing oh. all of that as well, you, you know, I know it's a big thing for, yeah. for, for, for you. Oh, a huge shift my dad put in to. To make it happen yeah. but um yeah. i mean it honestly broke you know broke as a, as a family in terms of um it ha- happening but my dad and mom were just so committed to yeah. giving their kids a good life you know so <laughs> all credit to them yeah, yeah, yeah. um uh, i think they're probably a bit annoyed in go to a sport that makes you millions of bucks because then i could buy the retirement for them <laughs> yeah but yeah. i chose a sport that takes millions of bucks to do yeah so. yeah that is on un- <laughs> yeah but you were ultimately very successful yeah. at it and i'm sure they would be and they are very proud of you i'm sure um so one thing i want to know yes as an olympic medalist do you carry it with you all the time <laughs> do you leave it where do you have it i mean is it in a safe do you I mean, I mean, everybody must be going. Oh, I, mean, I, hoped, I was hoping you'd have it here today, but I'm yeah. joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but um, it, it, you wouldn't want to lose it, would you? You wouldn't want to lose it. No, the the, the London medals at that point were the. I think they were the, the biggest and heaviest medals from any modern Olympics at that point. So my medal is it's it's silver. It's almost pure silver. It's something like ninety 
8% silver. You've know. had it valued in Ramsdale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See how many bottles of whiskey I can buy from that. And, um, uh, oh, I mean, Stuart and I took it everywhere with us at first. Yeah, I bet. I mean, it was currency. For us. And does the ribbon not get all? Yeah, it's all, like, it's all bobbly now. You know the ribbons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can like you not get? You need smooth. to try and get a new ribbon somewhere. Also, my mum does a wee bit of silversmithing for for fun, and uh, I keep meaning to get her to polish it up. The thing's a wee bit battered now. Is it? Yeah. So where is it but at this moment? It is in the island of Tyree. Oh, it's at home yeah, in Tyree. It's at home. Yeah, my parents live. It's a very there safe now. place to keep it. Well, I don't know if there's any crime there. No. The only crime is one sheep wandering from one farmer's field to another. Right. You know that so. Um, aye, that's where it, that's where it lives. But it, we, yeah, we took. I mean, we were, we we had fun with the I, I, I bet you did. We, we had fun. We were we were uh, yeah, we were bad boys. No, I'm sure while. you were. I'm sure. <laughs> well, why would you not take it for the full advantage of what it is? Yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely. It was only ever going to last for a moment in time, of course, wasn't it? It's not these things aren't forever. So we, uh, I think we 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 used it to its its maximum capacity in, uh, after London. Full marks, why yeah. wouldn't you? Um, so, so in the same sort of vein, um, you know, you, you've had a very successful sailing career. You still sail a lot and travel a bit, but but you are thinking ahead. And your, your your love for whiskey is is something I'm aware of. Something that um, you know you're, you're you're keen to explore and move on to the next level. And that's just obviously what we wanted to to get an insight on. What are your what are your plans in the world of whiskey? Yeah. Well, I'm, st I'm still storming. My pl I think my plans seem to mould and shift every few months. Uh, which is probably a, a symptom of being very early days in it. I mean, I, I, first, I love whiskey. I always have. And, and actually, it, um, it was a, uh, a friend of mine, um, Joe Glanfield, who I sailed with, with um, in 2013. But back at the Beijing Olympics, when I was just a small, a wee lad, well, I'm still wee now, but, but a training partner, I got my first taste of whiskey in a bar in uh, Qingdao. Mm. For those of you who might have so that's Qingdao a, beer. So that's a Scot uh, got his first taste of whiskey in China. With an Englishman. With an Englishman. Not that there's anything wrong with an Englishman. No, but my perfect. point being is uh, he, uh, it's our heritage largely here where we're very proud yeah, of yeah. whiskey being part of our heritage. Yeah. But yeah, it was yeah, my good go. friend uh, that got me. So I was in a bar in China with an Englishman drinking whiskey. And Sounds like a joke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but okay. And it just, uh, uh, it was actually him that said, oh, Luke, you don't, you don't drink whiskey. I was like, no, no, no. And, and he said, mate, they, you, you must. Whether you like it or not, you just must. <laughs> you know, your, your country is famous for it. You know, you, it's your heritage. You mm. need to. And I was like, okay. So um, for the two-week training camp in China, bear in mind I wasn't there competing, so I was allowed to let my hair down in the evenings, is... Um, I, it took me about two weeks to get into the flow of drinking whiskey in China and, and came home and that was it, I was hooked. And um, mm -hmm. I think I, I, what I love about the, 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 the whiskey sort of uh, um, world is that the people are wonderful. You know, you have great conversations with people um, it's very people focused and it's, it's just it's such a passionate industry. Mm. Um, you know, that reminds me of the sporting world. People are so passionate because they're not there for anything other than to get the very best out of themselves. And it feels like um, the whiskey world is like that distillery to distillery. They're just trying to get the best possible product with the most flavor and, 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 and there's always a good story behind it and people mm. get together and things. So I, um, 
I, it just started off of loving the liquid itself, mm. uh, and then I fell in love with the world that mm. whiskey is. And, and, I w and, and basically, I want to be part of it. Mm. I just want to be part of that world because it, it, it yeah. floats my boat. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I think that I would love to, well, you've asked, you've asked what the plans are. I mean, um, like I said, they're moving all the time, but um, the plan is to get to a stage where, where um, me and my sister and brother-in-law are um, uh, going to do an independent bottling. Fantastic. Of which there are many, we know. Um, there but are. We can have yeah. one more, can't we? Of course you can, yeah. <laughs> um, and we want to, you know, uh, we want to just move into that. We want to learn as much as we can along the way. Um, we'll learn about buying liquid, of course, and, and, and hopefully buy tasty liquid, mm. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and just work our way into the, the whiskey world and, and keep finding our feet in that way. But, mm. but the first stop is to do an independent bottling. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and, and meet some great people along the way. And who knows, maybe one day I'll be running a distillery. A distillery or, manager. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, distillery yeah. manager. Yeah. Um, no, fabulous. And just to let people know what we've actually, we're here at a warehouse in Washington Street in Glasgow. We've done what we call a podcast doubler. Yes. Um, so I've just recorded for your new podcast, yes. which will be coming out, I think, at some point. Yeah. Um, and we're now just doing a little follow-up for Whiskey Unscripted, but um, podcast, um, part of the plan, obviously, rough timings, when do you think it'll be out yeah. so people can find out about it? Yeah, yeah, so, so yeah, part of, the, um, part of entering into this world, like you just, you've just labelled it out there, so doing a, doing a wee podcast as well, I was kind of inspired by your, your one, and I, I, funnily enough... That's surprising. Yeah, Whiskey Unscripted has <laughs> kept me smiling on these long journeys up and down <laughs> Scotland. Um, but yeah, so thought we'd start a wee podcast as well, and um, uh, you've just been the first guest. Thank um, you very much. Uh, yep. Well, I hope it goes well, considering yeah. I'm the first guest. <laughs> but we, yeah, so we're we are the Whiskey Folk, as will be the Whiskey Folk podcast. Um, we are going to just go back to the drawing board and listen to what we've just recorded, edit it, and then um, and then get it out there. Probably probably by the end of this month. Hopefully, we're January now. Um, Fantastic. And yeah, so the podcast we signed to do alongside, I kind of think that one of the reasons, as I just said, that my inspiration to come into the whiskey world is just the, how cool the people are and the stories. And I was like, right, well, I want to, mm. I'd love to talk to different people and celebrate that. And, um, and maybe we'll film bits of it along the way. Yeah. It might be on YouTube as well. So, um, so it will all be the whiskey folk. The whiskey folk. So we'll keep people up to date on, on, on our podcast yeah. about when it launches and they can come across and listen, unfortunately, to me in the first, in the first episode. But yeah. uh, you'll be doing some great content, I'm sure, from around the world because you're still doing a bit of sailing as well. A bit of sailing. Where still. are you off to tomorrow? I'm uh, off to um, Sardinia. I'm off to Broxburn. <laughs> I'm off to, I can hardly pronounce it. So we would all say Cagliari, but it's oh. Cagliari. Ca or something, you, you, they, they silent the G. And I'm sure it's a bit warmer there and you're doing a bit of training, are you? Uh, I'm actually coaching, yeah. Coaching. So I'm, oh, I'm not in the sailboat, I'm in the coach boat. Um, yeah, with, uh, with good friends of mine, long-standing friends, uh, a chap called John Gimson and Anna Burnett. Now you'll know the Burnetts, yes, won't you? I will know the Burnetts, yes. So the, again, another Helensborough connection. Yeah. Uh, Helensborough's the centre of the universe. Helensborough's the centre of the universe and actually has, to be honest, I'm from Helensborough, has produced a fair quite a lot of medalists in the old Olympics from the sailing yeah. angle. Something Started by Mike McIntyre many years ago. Yeah. So yes, um, 
that's exciting. So yeah. what boat just what boats are they in? So they sail it's called a Nacra and oh. it's one of these modern double hulled flying boats. I mean you obviously know but for the listeners these are like the uh, spaceships of the sailing world. Um, they can go faster than the wind if you can get your head around that physics. Yeah. Um, and so I'll be pretty much chasing them flat chat on a coach boat doing 40 knots whilst trying to film, whilst trying to get good content to sit and debrief with them after. While drinking a whiskey. Yes, exactly, yeah. And so if I said to you, um, and what's, your, what's your, your go-to dram? What's the dram that you pull out the cupboard and you go, yeah, that's good, that's a great dram. Doesn't have to be an Ema Clay one, obviously. Oh, it's a good question. Uh, it, it depends what mood I'm in. Very, very good point. Very good point. Totally, um, totally right. I think because it is just after Christmas and it's cold, my palate is often... Well, funnily enough, my palate's drawn to... Um, it, it would make sense, I would say, something heavier and, and peatier, but actually it's drawn to the more Christmas notes because of Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 like, I like getting more up into that Speyside area for, for Christmas. I'll tell you one dram that, that um, I had a few years ago. It was one of the whiskies that really, really brought me into it is the uh, Ben Rennie's 15, mm. Flora and Fauna range. Mm -hmm. Nice. I haven't had it in ages, so I couldn't now tell. This was when my palate was much less learned than it is today. So does that, would that even hold Christmassy notes? And, I, I, I'm not too familiar with that department. I mean, yeah. So, so I mean, generally, if you're looking for those Christmassy notes, those sort of raisins in the dark, you'd be looking at a sherry cask. Yeah. Um, European oak, probably. Um, so, similar whiskies to our Glengoyne 21 and 25. Mm -hmm. I don't know particularly about the Ben Rennes, but if those are the, they'd be more cask-driven flavors. So it'd be yeah. a darker whiskey, generally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, great choice at this time of year. You yeah. know, just I drank a. Drank a bit of uh, sherry cast tamdu, fifteen-year-old over Christmas, and just perfect for that type of year. Yeah, you know? and there's great sherry casts all over the place, so and you can add in a bit of peat or whatever. But yeah, absolutely. And then maybe more a summery whiskey. Have you got a summery Ooh, one? Summery whiskey. Um, we were talking about highballs, weren't we? Yeah, we were talking about highballs. Yeah. I mean that 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 has become a, a love of mine in 2022 is, mm. is making highballs. Um, they're just fresh and tasty and, and yeah. they slip down a little too easily they slip, 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 slip down quite well yeah, yeah it's gone before you know it but yeah. but I'll tell you one whiskey that has just got, I, I think possibly one of my favourite drams ever is the uh, Abuna range with Aberlar mm -hmm. yeah nice just nectar yeah yeah nectar. good good stuff I love it I love it I know they've done different batch releases from yeah. it um Sherry uh, cask again, you know, you so, clearly love a bit of sherry so cask. It's so rouge, isn't it? The colour of it is just, and I, I like, thinking back to your first question, I'm, I'm going to pick that. Well, I'll, uh, I mean, if you like Aberlay, you'd absolutely love a Tamdu, so we'll get you some Tamdu. Right, right. um, but no, very, very good whiskey. Um, and clearly you like those slightly heavier styles of, of whiskey. I do, I do like, I, the, the lighter whiskies do serve a purpose for my palate, yeah. but, but the purpose is, is yeah. much smaller. I, I yeah. like the impact and, and, the, and yeah. the depth of flavour. I like the finish being quite long as well. Yeah, yeah. But a few whiskies recently, which uh, maybe, maybe I'm still learning, but, but they're gone as soon as I've swallowed them. Ah, uh, yeah. And I no. like the ones that last a little longer. So, and I can again, those sherry casts will tend to do that. Right. You also get a bit of that with age, but it depends on so many different factors. Yeah. So. But, uh, well, fabulous. And um, 
Luke, it's been great to have you on Whiskey Unscripted, Luke. Uh, thank you for taking the time to chat to us. And um, we will keep people up to date with the whiskey folk. Yes. And um, yeah, enjoy Sardinia. I know. It's not going to be nice, is it? No. I'll get, my, I'll get my sun hat on. Oh, stop it. <laughs> thank you, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. Cheers. Oh, that was neat, Gordon. That was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was no. So, yeah, I mean, I we actually did a podcast off. He's he's So he's starting a podcast. Well, um, which, which, which we everybody will, will obviously share all the info, but uh, he's starting a sort of whiskey podcast talking really? to whiskey folk, and uh, uh, we'll share all the information. But then, and then I said, Well, if I'm on yours, can you be on ours? So, yeah, yeah, we did a wee recording of that, which was great. He's got very posh podcasting kit, none of the stuff we've got, which is basically, <laughs> you know, free software and a microphone, but anyway. Um, it was great. Uh, so yeah, lovely guy. So uh, he was having his dram. He said his first dram in China with mm -hmm. an Englishman. Yes, you know, which is which yeah. is uh, great. fabulous. You know, that was back in Beijing, I think, two thousand and eight. Mm -hmm. So you must have had a couple of uh, unusual locations. You've had a a dram in and thought, this is. <laughs> This is yeah. not Kansas, if, if you see what I mean. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've been in very strange places having whiskeys. Um, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of the strangest, but uh, Bali on a beach was quite interesting oh, and about yeah. 30 degrees of, of whiskey <laughs> tasting on the beach. Quite a lot of interesting places. China is, you can end up drinking whiskey in strange places in China. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, the, the, you know, like all these things, the one thing you notice is everybody just is we all love what we're doing and we love that you know whether it's new people you know existing people it brings amazing people together yeah. on that point gordon this is only going to make the director's cut so you won't listen to this if you're just listening to the normal podcast i tried and failed to do a whiskey olympic team i got not very far i got okay this is only for the very big geeks venus williams and humber which is a sherry bodega <laughs> in there. I got Maker's Mark Spitz. <laughs> Bailey Thompson Brothers. Yes, nice. nice. I got Bob Beeman Suntory. <laughs> you've, you've got to squeeze that in. And I got Sir Steve Redbreast, which isn't Redgrave. I just had to start making up. Uh -huh. Nice. So anyone's got any Olympic-themed whiskey connections, Please send them in to our whiskey on script. You'll, you'll be inundated, I would imagine. <laughs> Gordon, we're coming up near the end, but how would you like to play the first of the 2023 You Have Reached Your Whiskey oh, Destination? I love this game. Yes, let's okay. play it. You have reached your whiskey destination. You have reached your whiskey destination. And if you're listening, try and guess what whiskey distillery we're going to. If you've never heard this before, you're just jumping in, I go to the website, and so does Gordon, of these whiskey distilleries, and they always say, contact us, here's a map, and you follow the instructions. So that's all we're doing. Follow the instructions from the website, and I'm leaving from Glasgow, Gordon. 336 mile journey. It's going to take me seven hours and 20. So I've got my sandwiches packed. I've got my little bag of crisps and my meal deal. I'm heading east on the M8, a few miles, I head south on the M74 towards Carlisle. At junction 20A, I head left on the slip, M56 Chester and North Wales. I keep on the A55 to Hollyhead. 
I then mm -hmm. jump on another mode of transport. I got off of that mode of transport. I follow signs for the M50 heading southbound, directly southbound. At junction 9, I head left. I pick up the M7 for 7 miles. I then pick up the M9 for 73 miles. I'm directly heading south. I take this roundabout for the, I can't say the name, and Tipperary Mountains. At the third roundabout, the third exit, R686, R680, I turn towards Cork. I enter this famous county. I turn into the Mary Street postcode X91K95. Directly south. I've not went west. I've been on that island and went directly south. You mentioned this place last time we did the podcast. You have reached your whiskey destination. And the conversation revolved around terroir. Waterford. Yes! <laughs> yes! I was thinking it was... Um, oh, I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have gone for Jameson's. And there's a Jameson's distillery down there, or there's a Kinsale distillery, or Dingle, well, but Dingle's further further uh, west. Yeah, I suppose these 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 I couldn't mention it keeps on saying take the Waterford exit, enter County Waterford, head towards Waterford. Ah. So well done. Right on the south coast of Ireland there when you get across the ferry from Hollyhead. So um I was on their website, Gordon. As you said, they really are ferociously into terroir. And you put the ah. the, the oh, from your bottle in there that tells you all about the Yeah, well, I mean Probably. totally. Totally. I mean it's like geek geek out on all of that information and uh and fabulous. The yeah. distillery ambassador, Ian, tremendous geezer. I had a great yeah. time with him in Budapest and in Amsterdam. Great, great people there. So great whiskey. No, no, well. definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Very, very good. Very nice one. Well done. Well, I think we should do that every week. So I will prepare one for next time. That is that is good. And there's a hell of a lot, a lot of places you can go in Ireland if you like your whiskey. You know, so that's. Oh, there is. There's so many distilleries in Ireland. And, uh, you know, there's so many new distilleries in Ireland. There's so many new distilleries in Scotland. It's uh, And there's so many bourbon distilleries. I did, going back to the news a little bit. I mean, uh, I think there's a an appreciation in America that there's a bit of a bourbon glut. And there will be a bit of a bourbon glut. And uh, we'll see what happens in that in the long term. But, uh, you know, I think I think the Scottish whiskey industry is really strong. Um, and for us this year, it's a big year for us at Ian McLeod. As I said, we've got Rosebank coming on stream, and uh, Malcolm's desperate to get that going. And uh, any, any producing spirit for those people that have held on to, for this podcast at the very ends. Yeah, any the little, best bits are at the end. Any little teasers you can tell us about Rosebank Gordon? Because I know you've been there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a distillery. It's got three. <laughs> it's got three stills. Uh, it, no, I mean on a semi semi serious note, it's going to produce a great whiskey for sure. Uh, we're not we're not. Going I to think be people releasing. want to know when they want to know when. Well, I would think when can they go and see it? Uh, end of the summer, right? Right there we go. That's good. I think from about September onwards, I think we will be open to the public. So, a big year for us with that. That's been a big investment. It's taken a lot of time, but we're nearly there, which is fabulous. So excited! And all I would say, I think. You know, we have, we're, we're entering our, what, third year of doing this? Or is it our fourth year of doing this? I'm not sure. Um, third year. Um, I think we started this in April or May 2020. Oh, 2020, it'll be lockdown year. So we've been doing it for two and a, nearly three years. And I think, you know, it's great to see the numbers. We've hit 20,000 downloads. I think that's not bad for... Uh, Yes. A little podcast that we don't particularly promote or particularly do too much with, but we just hope everybody enjoys it. 
we we will continue to do it within the realms of our day-to-day job as well of course so they may be a bit sporadic in terms of in terms of uh, keep on bumping into people that have listened to it so that's always a good thing yeah no absolutely (laughs) absolutely and there's a whole load of whiskey podcasts out there but we just hope you enjoy what we do it's a little bit different and uh yeah, keep listening and tell your friends because uh Yes. You know, I I the people that yeah, just yeah, just spread the word because we, we, we do love doing it and the feedback we get is great when we speak to people and that's the reason we do it. It's to entertain and to of course try and give you a bit of an overview of the industry from a producer perspective, which was the original plan. So I think we will make sure we get some more interviews which we can uniquely provide yeah. as a producer and a distiller. So we will do some of that. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely, Gordon. And one or two specials as well. You know, I'd like to... We've got a few plans for 23 since we're... Episode one. Lovely to do a live show, wouldn't it, as well? And maybe take it out to, to Rosebank and other places with a, a potential audience. Could be good I think, a, I think a live show from... Um, you know, I think somewhere in Kentucky or something would be good. I'd fly out and do that. We sure we've got that in the budget. And uh, we might if not Kentucky, people. maybe Derby. If not the Kentucky Derby, we could just go down south. Anyway, it's a really bad. Or a joke. KFC somewhere. <laughs> Brilliant. Have a, yeah, just wanted to say, guys, we, we we do really appreciate you. If you enjoy it, we enjoy it. So yeah, let's, let's just that'd let's just carry on. Great. Gordon, thanks very much. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Along the whiskey trail.